Welcome to our podcast, Transparently Speaking. I am Diana, and I have a son who transitioned at a young age to become his true self. And I am Joy. I have also supported my daughter to transition at an early age. We are here to share our experience and our learning along this journey. We want to provide support and guidance parent to parent. And if you find yourself on a similar journey, we want you to know that you are not alone. So let's dive in, transparently speaking. Diana, given that we are in the midst and the heat of summer, I thought today we should dive into the topic of swimsuits. Ah, yes, swimsuits. That is part of the journey that began before we knew we were on the journey. (laughs) Yeah, I'm curious how this was for you. Where do we start? Well, you know, I think when we think of swimsuits, especially in the younger ages, they tend to be very gendered um, on what people wear. And so I knew at some point Clark was not comfortable with a swimsuit before I knew of his identity. And again, if you remember, I kind of shut the conversation down since he was three, telling him you're a girl, you're a girl. He loved to go in the water, but you could tell like he never was happy with any swimsuit. And of course it couldn't have ruffles and it couldn't be pink and it couldn't be purple. And at one point, I think he was um, six years old. So the year before he transitioned, I had found at Land's End these Navy swim shorts that were under quote girls and a Navy swim top. And he was so happy. It was the only suit he would wear. And so once we affirmed his identity, we were aware and we affirmed it, then he could not wait to get those board shorts, you know, and he just, he loved the board shorts and still does to this day. So that's kind of been our swimsuit journey and so happy when he got to buy them too. Yeah. So I'm curious though, with Clark, like, how did you know he was uncomfortable with the girl swimsuit? A typical girl swimsuit is either a leotard type one piece look yes. or like a bikini style. Yes. How did you choose to dress up Clark? Maybe even before, again, he had awareness about his identity. Right. Or even realize the things were gendered. Um, always the leotard suit is what we always had. Um, most of the stuff we had were gifts. So whatever was given to us, he wore. Um, but as he got older, I can't even remember. It was so long ago. But I feel like I would show him suits and he was nah, nah, like nothing was good. And we'd get a suit and he wasn't like super excited about it. Nothing that any of my kids got excited about clothes, but there's just something different about his facial expression. Uh, you know, just disappointed. I think that's the word. He just always looked disappointed, but didn't say why. Interesting. How about you? For Samantha, I think I also continued to communicate that this is what boys wear, but I don't remember ever having to do that with swimsuits. Like there was never any request or ask. Um, We transitioned Samantha just before she turned six. So she was still five. What I do recall is, and what I dressed her and her twin Bobby in, they always had matching swimsuits. It was like the only thing I ever did matching. I don't know why, but um, maybe just because it was easy. (laughs) Um, But they always had shorts. And I specifically remember 
hating to put on sunscreen. So I loved the swim shirts. So they wore swim shirts and your typical sort of board short type swimsuit bottoms. And that was easy. And I don't remember any real complaints about it. But what I do remember in hindsight is recognizing Samantha's behavior when she was not wearing the swim shirt. So what I remember looking back on it is the times when she wasn't wearing a swim shirt as she got older, maybe in that four to five age, she must've been savvy enough to recognize that girls always had their tops covered. Mm -hmm. And so she would stand with her arms crossed over her chest. And I honestly just kind of assumed it was like she was cold or something. I asked her about it. She doesn't recall that. But it was one of these other kind of indicators, one of these signs that in hindsight, you can acknowledge and recognize and see. But at the time, I had no idea what was going on. Mm -hmm. Whose decision was it to not wear a swim shirt? That's a good question. I don't consciously remember it being a decision other than you know, sometimes the swim shirt happened and sometimes it didn't. Okay. So it wasn't a matter of availability or you don't remember? I don't. I don't remember it being a particular issue. And I don't, I just remember putting two and two together of seeing my child with the arms crossed over the chest Mm -hmm. on more occasion than one while kind of observing other women. Like that's what I would notice is like, she was always paying attention to girls and um, and women and especially beautiful ones. I think one of Samantha's core values is beauty and, and good for her. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's my key observation about swimsuits. And similar to you and Clark, oh my gosh, once we were in the space to affirm her identity mm-hmm. and a shift, you know, into this world where she got to wear dresses to school and do these things. The first thing she asked for was to go shopping for a girl's swimsuit. And you would think that she had just won the lottery. (laughs) It was so beautiful. I've never seen a bigger smile on her face. The kid was just elated. Did you have any concerns? Because I hear a lot of parents of transgender girls have issues with swimsuits just because they're so form-fitting and the concern of silhouetting the genitalia. Yeah, I definitely had concerns and tried to encourage her to get something that maybe had a ruffle on it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to your point, to kind of camouflage that area down there. Generally, she wasn't as interested in anything roughly like that. So what I was able to support her with from, again, my perspective of trying to keep her safe and ensure things weren't too obvious was finding a suit that had a pattern at least, because that seemed to be less obvious. Okay. It was definitely in my mind. I think when she was really little, she did not have any awareness or consideration in that space. So it was me kind of encouraging her. I almost think back on it now with some shame because I didn't, I don't want my child or any child to feel shame about their body. But the way I think I might've talked to her again about is, well, most girls, you know, don't have a penis. And so we don't want to draw attention to the fact that you're different. I think I did use some of that language and I talked with her like that. And 
you know, I'm, I'm concerned that that may have generated some shame about her body. Um, and I'm sure as, as you probably have a perspective or experience similar to mine, women have enough things <laughs> we might take on and build shame about in terms of our body. So it was definitely something I look back upon and wish maybe a different language or a different way to approach that conversation. So looking back at it, like, especially for those listeners that might just be starting that part of the journey, if you could do it over again, giving yourself grace that you did the best you could with the knowledge you had at the time, but what would you have wanted to have said? I think that's a really great question. My initial reaction is something along the lines of, you know, encouraging my child to love her body the way it is yep, and that all bodies are beautiful. And I think what I'm struggling with is how, again, do, do I keep my child safe or help encourage them to realize that not everybody's nice and how do we try to make decisions that keep us safe. You know, I think about it in terms of if and when my children go off to college, I want to encourage them, hey, at night, like have a friend with you or carry something to protect yourself or to feel safe in. And in that vein of thinking about safety and recognizing that we want to believe the world is always a safe place, but recognizing sometimes people make bad choices or in bad situations, and you may find yourself in an unsafe space is how do we sort of position them to be able to take care of themselves and recognize that they also have some opportunity to be savvy. I don't know if that makes any sense. It does. I think it's that balancing that line of not creating an environment of victim blaming by saying like, if you didn't do these things, I advise then it's your fault. But uh, at the same time, knowing that realistically, it's never anyone's fault. I think that's why you just say to my kid, it's never your fault if you get hurt because nobody should hurt you. Having said that, this will increase your chance of staying safe. Mm. But I think in the bathing suit realm, correct me if I'm wrong, the challenge is so great that the child may not be aware or might be aware, sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't, of differences but in that case where samantha didn't care didn't want to ruffle thinking about how will other people react will they notice what will they say what will they do if they notice Mm -hmm. so i think that's a really difficult line to walk i'm trying to think what i would say because obviously that was not part of my journey you know there's a part of me that wants to say is it less painful if it's from a stranger? And then you can be like, they're jealous because you look so good. <laughs> or do you take out the option of a solid colored swimsuit and just buy pattern mm-hmm. and don't say anything about it? You know, how much choice or, you know, if they do say, I like this one and it's a solid one, you say, I think that would look great on you. And I love you in a pattern or something, you know, like, yeah, finding a safe way to make a compliment that directs them according to (laughs) without having to name the reason. That's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. Right. And I think, I think the key thing to note is both of us have very young children and this concept of before they knew, or before maybe they're ready for this recognition of how society might view them differently or why there would be any concern about this transition or there's any reason for them to think differently about their genitalia and having any concept of that versus I don't know what the age might be when they have some concept of that already. And this conversation is sort of a moot point. 
Right. I'm thinking back and Samantha was really into gymnastics. So of course, when she could get a female swimsuit or when we were supporting her to again, live that out, she was also really interested in gymnastics. And so we pursued that path and she was thrilled to have the leotard and she did that for several years. And I think it was somewhere around nine or 10 mm-hmm. when she started experiencing a lot of anxiety um, before her gymnastics meets. So during practice, she could wear shorts and a t-shirt and she didn't have to wear the leotard. And the only time she wore the leotard is at these meets. Mm-hmm. And so I had conversations with her about, you know, is she nervous because of wearing the leotard? And she responded saying that that wasn't really it, that for her, it was a performance thing. And yet I wonder if there's an undercurrent there, you know, that if it was more than just a performance anxiety, a consideration for her that maybe even subconsciously, right. she was becoming more aware and didn't want to have to be concerned about that on top of how she was performing in front of everybody else. And before that age, did she wear leotard? She did. Okay. So she went through a period where it was okay. Mm -hmm. And then she started developing this anxiety. So I thought that was really interesting. So that might be another data point. Again, I have no idea scientifically about if there's anything to that. Right. I think every kid's probably also going to be different, right? you know, in kind of recognizing that. I think that's an excellent point. You know, I was thinking when we're talking about like how we'd speak to our children about bathing suits, you know, on the flip side of what I said, we also have to prepare them, not necessarily for the negative comments, but the thought process of making decisions, you know, how they want to show up in the world. Maybe I'm wrong about that. They don't need it at that young age, but I think at least as a parent, sometimes they feel the need to explain all sides that might come their way as if that might prepare them better, but I'm not so sure it does. When do you let them know? Well, that swimsuit outlines your genitals, which people aren't expecting to see in a, in a girl or in anyone wearing a swimsuit like that, or however you want to word it. Like, when is it appropriate to give them that realization or is it not? And it's appropriate for the world to give them that realization. I don't know what the right answer to that is. Oh, that's really interesting. Like, what is our role as a parent to do that versus allowing it naturally to happen for them to learn? Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. To me, that raises this question of, you know, what is our role in educating them about societal expectations or how to handle difficult scenarios and situations being outed. I I feel like there's so many things that kind of come with that. Right. That question. Right. I mean, as a parent, I generally default to being their cheerleader and the world will tell them, you know, an example would be Clark actually at one point wanted to be in the NBA and a lot of people, when they'd hear that, they'd be, they would say, we, you let them know, right? That that's not really likely. <laughs> and I was like, no, I, I didn't. And I won't. And they'd look at me shocked. I'm like, the world will tell him. I don't need to tell him. The world will tell him, you know, he won't, he won't make it through tryouts. He won't, whatever. I don't need to be that person. I need to be the person that believes in him and says, yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Mm, that's beautiful. And so just thinking of that parallel, like, I think where my mind gets stuck is it wasn't about bathing suits, but I remember having a transgender man who transitioned in adulthood say something to me like, 
while I hope you're not being super protective of your child, I hope you let them know what the real world's like so they're prepared for it. And I think that was probably in the first couple of years after transition. So I feel like those words are in the back of my head of, I don't necessarily completely agree with them, but I do feel like it's a balance. Mm, I think balance is a, a good word because I don't think there's any one right or wrong answer. And I think there are going to be decisions that individuals, family members, parents, whoever it might be, have to make their own choices about how do they best show up or what's most important to them in terms of supporting their child. Right. Right. And I think one other thought is there are different reasons why people may have unexpected lumps or bumps under the bathing suits, right? Like their children with feeding tubes and colostomies and besides transgender individuals, like not everyone's genitals are what you expect them to be. So like there's tons of other reasons. Would we have the same fear if it was one of those other reasons? Mm -hmm. So I just think something to think about, but I think every parent has to make the decision that's best for them, whether it's, you know, a swimsuit with a ruffle, which I think is a real common solution, but also knowing where they live and the safety, balancing that with their child's well-being and affirming them. I'm wondering, Diana, too, we were talking really about this young elementary age. There are probably other parents or individuals listening who may be experiencing or supporting a child to transition at a later age. And I was curious or wanted to offer maybe some of the insights I've learned from various conversations and email exchanges and things for people who aren't familiar for male transgender individuals. Often the key tool to be used is a binder. And so introducing that concept for those who may not be familiar with it, right? A binder is something you would wear around your chest to compress Mm -hmm. the breasts with the intent of reducing that visibility. Mm -hmm. Binders is a whole nother discussion, but that's correct. Although it's not usually advised during any sort of athletics, including swimming, um, just because it can sometimes restrict the, the lung movement if they're too tight talking about swimsuits things isn't there a company that makes swimsuits for transgender girls that kind of helps yeah it's a great point so we've been using these bottoms made by rubies so r-u-b-i-e-s and ruby is a transgender girl whose dad started this company to support her and other transgender kids and it's a beautiful enterprise and they're fantastic swimsuits they're a little pricey because they're more of like sort of a nice adult swimsuit price Okay. If that sets a context, right? (laughs) So maybe more than you were hoping to spend, but Samantha feels so comfortable in them. And that's what, that's what we need, right? Is we need something that she feels safe and comfortable in so she can go be in the sunshine and the water and just be a kid and have fun. Right. And that's what we want at the end of the day, right? I think one reason we brought this up today is because I think it is one of the challenges that, that parents navigate with any gender diverse child, no matter how they identify when they want to express themselves in their bathing suits different than what the parent expects and just navigating those waters. There's so many factors, but I hope by sharing our story that it gets people thinking in various ways, considering what is best for their family. Thank you so much, Diana. And we'll talk again soon. That's a wrap on this episode of Transparently Speaking. 
Thanks for joining us today. Join us again on the 1st and 15th of every month for our next podcast. Thank you to Filter for our awesome music. That's P-H-I-L-T-Y-R. Check them out at Apple Music, YouTube Music, Spotify, or anywhere you download music. As a reminder, we welcome your feedback and questions. Email us anytime at transparentlyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. If you're taking something away from our podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take a moment to provide us a review. The more listeners and reviews, the more people we can reach and support. Thanks in advance. Cheers from Joy and Diana.